That's right. It's real life Olympics. We're going to be looking at things that happen in the Olympics and what they want to teach us about following Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew 18, uh, starting in verse 21. So Matthew 18, 21, you can go there in your Bible or in your app. So if you're thinking what chapter, what verse, it's the ages you have to be to do everything. 18, verse 21. There you go. And what we're talking about is we're kind of putting flesh, putting biblical skin on the Olympics, all right? The Olympics motivate us. They inspire us. They set us out on new fitness goals that we will give up after about a week. But one thing that we're going to dig into this season is that question from seventh grade math. When am I ever going to use this? When am I ever going to use this? All right. The rings like the Olympic, the gymnastics ones where the people hold themselves up by their hands and all that stuff, that's insane. That's incredible strength. But it's not really going to help you get married. It's not going to fix your marriage. It's not going to save your marriage. That's not going to get you a job or help you keep a job. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Olympic sports and what they want to teach us about life. As you can guess from the video, today we are talking about my favorite, not my favorite, synchronized swimming. What can synchronized swimming teach us that's good about following Jesus? That scene where they're spitting water into each other's mouths, that's not from the Lord. Uh, But we're going to look at some things today and one big area that the Bible challenges us to be synchronized with God on. It's the type of thing that we face every day, decisions that we make minute by minute, hour by hour, conversation by conversation, asking the question, who are we going to synchronize with? Because as we're going to watch in the Olympics later this month, when are we ever going to use this? And there's a guy who wrote part of the Bible who asked the same question at the first Olympics, not 1896 in Athens. We're talking about like 36 just 36. Uh, And he says this. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So we're looking at synchronized swimming today, saying, what does that teach us about godliness? What does that teach us about following God here in 2021? And the thing about it is is this touches on a real-life struggle. This is called the Real-Life Olympics. So we're looking at everything through the lens of immediate applicability, type of thing that you can deal with today and let it follow you throughout the week. It's not just a church thing. It's a life thing. And the situation that we're talking about, that Jesus talks about today, is perfect because it gives us a really clear choice to make. It's not just a belief that we ascend to or the type of thing that we kind of like make part of our lives ethereally. This is like a direct application, do this or don't do this, that Jesus invites us into. And that is around the whole area about dealing with offensive people. Dealing with the people that we don't want to deal with because hurt people hurt people and that's us often. And Jesus tells a story and he interacts in a conversation in a way that gives us feet on how to synchronize with him, not just in swimming, but in living because it's real life Olympics. And so he says this in Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus. Peter is one of his closest friends, comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Like he's thinking, this is awesome. Seven is their number for completion. So in our world, like it's a perfect 10. For them, it'd be a perfect seven. So he says, should I do it seven times? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, Jesus replies, but 70 times seven. If you're thinking, okay, 490, I'm done. You look in your marriage, if you've been married for longer than a year, you've probably already forgiven more than 490 times. Jesus' point here isn't 490. His point is you continue to do it until you're tired of counting. 
Because dealing with people that offend us isn't a question of if, it's a question of when. Dealing with people that offend you and me is never a question of if, it's a question of when. There are entire industries in our world that make their money by manufacturing offense. Right? You can't watch the news, you can't watch TV, you can't do anything without these magnets to getting offended and being like getting our heart involved in a not good way about what's going on. And so Jesus says, this isn't even a question about if, it's a question about when. And within this, I'm inviting you to sync with me, to be synchronized to me for something way more important than just synchronized swimming. And so he tells a story. Anytime Jesus wants to really clarify a, a picture, clarify a point, he tells a story. And the reason that he does this is because all of us are geared to understand and grab onto stories. So the point before about, hey, you should forgive a lot, that's going to be forgotten before you walk by the sound booth. Jesus tells a story to get it to remember, to get it to stick in our hearts and in our lives. And so he says this, the kingdom of heaven, that's the picture when everything is made right again. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Like, I look at that, and I think that's fair, right? Millions of dollars. And in this story, we're not the king. In this story, I want you to go with me for a little bit. We are the servants. We live what we say, kingdom down, not culture up. God is the king. He sets the rules. We follow him. So we're living kingdom down as we live as servants to God. So in this picture, in this story, we're the servants. And because of the way that you and I live, we owe a sin debt to God that we could never pay. It's not just us. It infects every single part of us, and it infects every single person. There's nobody in the world who gets into a relationship with God because they're good enough. Every single person owns a sin debt to God because our sin is ultimately against God. Before anything else, it's against God. And what God does in that, and instead of ignoring or instead of just pushing us away from it and punishing us for forever, he offers us a way out from our sin. And that's how the story continues. The man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. What? Millions of dollars. Literally, leaving millions of dollars on the table, the master says, you're forgiven. He could have crushed the guy. He could have sold the guy and his entire family into slavery to pay this debt. The master's never going to see any of the money. But in the meantime, he can make the guy's life miserable. And he decides, no, I'm going to forgive. And so the guy walks out of the king's palace in freedom. This is the picture of us with God, that God in his mercy forgives our debts and canceled the penalty of our sin. Like, think about that as the man. You walk in, you know that you're wrong. You know that you owe money. There is no way that you could ever cover it. But instead of slavery, you find grace. You find freedom. You find forgiveness. You find a new life. What that does is it leads us to joy. That makes us excited about our king. There's an opportunity for punishment, but instead in punishment, instead of punishment, he receives grace. 
That type of thing should create uh, honesty and humility inside of us, which leads then to an ability to go run that back, to go do that again, to go forgive the way that we have been forgiven. And so now I want to qualify where we're going next in this. Because if you're not a Jesus follower, this could exactly be the thing that keeps you away. This could be a push toward the lifestyle that you're like, no, I don't want to be that. I don't want to live that way. It's already been done once to me in this way. I am never going back. This could be the type of thing where you say, that's not for me. So I want you to hang with me for about the next 15 minutes. Because there's an invitation from Jesus that isn't just for the Bible, it's for real life. It impacts the way that we do everything, the way that we see everything, the way that we interact with other men and women for as long as we live. Because it's not a question of if we're going to get offended, it's a question of when. And Jesus says, I've got something in that when that's going to bring you to life. That's going to change the way you see people, change the way you see yourself, change the way that you interact with people, even the worst people. And so if this has been the type of thing that's kept you away to this point, I want you to bear with me for a little bit because the type of love and the type of lifestyle that Jesus is talking about here isn't just something that was good then. It's something that's continued to change the world for the last 2,000 years. And that's because forgiveness is for our eternal life and our real life. For those of us who follow Jesus, forgiveness is everything for us because we understand that we were in the position of the man brought into the king's palace who owed millions of dollars, who owed a sin debt to God that we could never pay. And the reason that we have a relationship with God is the reason that Christians love crosses because the cross is where Jesus took all of our sin, past, present, and future on his own perfect life and traded spots with us. He said, I'm gonna pay for your sin and you're gonna inherit my perfect life. I'm going to pay for your lying and your dishonesty and your infidelity and your lust, and you're going to have a perfect relationship with God the Father. And that's what we're going to call it even. You accept one, you get the other. And it's not just for our eternal life, it's for our real life. But the story continues a different way. The story gives us a different picture of what this is. And the story gives us something that's so easy for you and me to fall into synchronization with. And Jesus is calling us to synchronization with him, not the way that it's easy for us to do life. So the man left the king and he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. This one's manageable, okay? I, like a million dollar debt, that's insane. A few thousand? Like, that's doable. You know, you make a plan, you pay it off, everything's going to be good. It was a few thousand dollars. And the man who was just forgiven grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Wow. What happens here is what happens so easily in all of our lives. Because, you know, it's not a matter, not a matter of if we get offended, but when we get offended, when that happens and we choose not, for, not to forgive, it starts a cycle in us. That that unforgiveness goes to bitterness. The bitterness is, is offense cooled over time. It goes from bitterness to anger. And then anger, it opens our heart for the devil to work in it because anger gives the devil a foothold in our life. You're thinking about climbing a mountain. You need a place for your foot to plant so that you can reach higher. What anger does in our lives is it opens our heart for the devil to begin to work. Synchronized forgiveness, though, synchronized with Jesus, immediately impacts our relationship with everyone. I mean, I, we, we see that right there because the guy leaves the king's palace and immediately he's encountered by another person. 
And instead of choosing the route to forgive, he chooses a route of unforgiveness, and it affects the first relationship that he sees. Think about the people in your life. That, that they could be the only one you know, but the people in your life who follow Jesus and do it well, like better than you, like the type of life that you want to get to someday. My guess, my assumption, what we're based on today is the type of people who follow Jesus the way that you want to someday follow Jesus model forgiveness really well. Like you've messed up, you've hurt them before, you've done something that immediately impacted them. And the way that you can tell that they're a follower of Jesus is by the way that they forgave you quickly and completely. And the reason behind that is, is that when we understand the debt, the depth as which we have been forgiven by God, it has to flow out of us. I said earlier, forgiveness starts with honesty and humility, and those things inside of us allow our lives to be a conduit of God's forgiveness. We have been forgiven for much, and the outflow of that is that you and I model forgiveness in the lives of other people. Synchronized forgiveness immediately impacts our relationship with everyone. Secondly, synchronized forgiveness releases other people from what they owe us and releases us from keeping score. So his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will repay it, he pled. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. What's happening here is he's doing what it's so easy for all of us to do. Right away is there's another offense. And it's so easy for us to, to take out and blame others for the things that we are guilty of ourselves. So that's the first way of synchronization. The second way of synchronization is it's really easy for us to keep score. It's really easy for us to keep score. I mean, we could go around the room and make a list of all the things and all the sins that have been done against you and me that have shaped the way that our life is here today. The way that our reputation has been ruined, the way that our relationship with our kids has been ruined, the way that our physical body has been ruined, the way that our marriage, marriages, our first marriage has ended and you know, now we're trying to put up the pieces and all that stuff. But when we're able to release people from keeping score, what that does is it also releases us. In forgiveness, we are never saying that what was done to us is okay now. What forgiveness does is it says, it was wrong, I'm letting Jesus handle it, and I'm no longer keeping score. I'm no longer keeping score. The message here isn't never ever react, because that's actually unbiblical. When we sinned against God, even in the very beginning of the Bible, when the first humans sinned against God, God reacted. And God reacted for justice and for reconciliation and for redemption. God reacted. And so when you and I are sinned against, the challenge from Jesus isn't don't pretend like it ever happened. Because that's not what he would do. But in your reaction, work to build up, work to restore, and work to not keep score. We say that unforgiveness, the decision not to forgive like the person in the story, is us drinking poison and just praying that the other person dies because of it. And so what Jesus is challenging us to isn't to stop paying attention, but to bring the things that cause tension in our lives to him, for him to forgive, for God to be God who does vengeance, who does revenge, who does a long-term plan to take what was wrong and make it right. He does that better than we do. And he can carry the weight to take the wrongs that have been done to us and make them right again. He can carry that way better than any of us can. So you look at your life, you look at the people who have offended you, you look at the people whose responsibility it is 
that you are where you are now. And Jesus is not saying pretend like it didn't happen. He's saying trust me with the results. And so synchronized forgiveness restores our relationship with the king. It restores our relationship with the king. You know, we're not keeping score again. So our hearts are free. But beyond that, our spirits, the way that we interact with God is impacted in this because God is the author and the perfecter and the originator of forgiveness. The guy in the story, he's the guy who won't forgive. It says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pled with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is an obedience issue for us who are Jesus followers. And Jesus even touches on this. It's one of those verses that we want to forget, that we don't want to pretend really means what it means. Media team is going to put it right on the screen right now. And Jesus is talking about forgiveness. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. I think there's two things in that that are applicable to us. The first one that Jesus is so strong in this is because forgiveness is personal for him. Forgiveness is personal for Jesus. Beyond anyone else that we have ever sinned against, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your business partners, beyond anyone else, everything that we do that is sinful is ultimately a sin offense against God. So if you take the cumulative pain of everything that you and I have ever done where God says, don't do that, and we say, forget it, I'm doing it anyway, the person who's hurt the most by it is the person who models and pours out and demonstrates forgiveness over our life the best. The way that another Jesus person said, uh, one of his followers who used to hate Christians until the day he became one, he says that God demonstrated his love for us by dying for us when we were his enemies. It's forgiveness. So Jesus is saying, because this is how I have related to you, because of the way that I've poured out my love for you and demonstrated my love for you in this, what I'm calling you to is to act like me. What I'm calling you to is to look like my sons and daughters out doing my work, out living the way that mom and dad live, but living that way among your people. We're modeling our heavenly father at this point. We're passing on our gospel DNA. This is why Christians can be forgiving people because we have, everything we have in life is because of the forgiveness that we found in Jesus. Our whole relationship with God isn't based on uh, achievement. It's based on forgiveness. So it's an obedience issue because it models the best thing that God ever did for us. And the second thing is it's an obedience issue because it turns up God's voice in our life. It turns up God's voice in our life. You read the story of the Bible, and it's a constant story of redemption, of creation, of fall, and then of redemption, and God bringing a broken people like you and me back to himself. And so he challenges us with issues of forgiveness. And when we follow God, we begin to see more opportunities to follow God. There are more areas of our life that, that pop up, and we say, okay, I, I can follow God in this. I can make changes in my life to bring more of my life under God's authority and under God's control. When we do the opposite and when we read stories of forgiveness, when you sit here today and you hear somebody talk to you about forgiveness and you're like, yeah, that's not for me. 
What that does is this disobedience and it begins to turn down the volume of God's voice in our life until eventually it's not there. Because we've started to close off areas of our life to God and that's not a thing that stops on its own. It's something that continues and consumes our hearts. Eventually our hearts get hard. We stop listening to God's activity. We stop listening to God's voice in our life and we become dead hearted and we become tools in the hands of the enemy captive to do his will. Synchronized forgiveness restores our relationship with God because it brings vitality, it brings joy, it brings life, it brings a heart that says everything that I have is yours, even my grudges. It's all yours, even my grudges. And so synchronized forgiveness is an invitation to real life freedom in Jesus. This is how we're gonna close today. So up here on the rocks, Uh, which are for Summer Spectacular. If you're like, wow, they really like paper flowers, it's because we really like Summer Spectacular, and it's gonna be awesome. Um, But up here are some bookmarks. And the bookmarks are a way of putting words and structure to what's going on in our heart. So nobody's here is supposed to like come in with your heart and your thoughts completely organized. That's what this stuff's for. Uh, So the first question is, who have I not forgiven? And we're asking God that question. Because I think all of us at this point where we just want to move on and not have to deal with the stuff that we're carrying would love to just say, I'm good, see ya, I'll grab a donut and I'll peace out. But you know, we ask God, okay, God, who have I not forgiven? Because God knows our hearts and God knows our deception better than we do. And then we remember, so what do I think this person has stolen from me? Or what do I think he or she owes me? They've stolen money, they've stolen my reputation, they've stolen my innocence, they've stolen. You can list off as many things as you want. And the reason that we list things off is because when somebody has messed up and hurt you and they come to you and they say, oh, I'm sorry for all that. It doesn't mean as much as when they come to you and say, you know what? I am sorry that I lied to you. I'm sorry that I gossiped about you. I'm sorry that, and when you get specific, it means more. So we're getting specific here because we want real freedom. We don't want fake freedom. We don't want just a quick once over freedom. We want real freedom. And so we list out, and you can write it out if it's more helpful for you, but we list out the things that people have stolen from us. And then we recognize, we recognize God's grace, which is continually extended to us. We're the, we're the servant in the story who owes millions of dollars to God. And instead of punishing us for it, he gives us freedom. So in light of that, in light of recognizing that, that we repent of our sin of bitterness, what that means is we make a U-turn from bitterness. I was walking toward bitterness and now I'm turning around and I'm walking toward forgiveness. We declare that out loud with our words because words matter, words communicate to God. We repent, so we U-turn and then we release. You've got your list from earlier and you're saying, God, I release this person for what they stole from me. I release this person for what they did to me. I release this person for the things they introduced into my life that have brought ruin. I release these things. What we're doing is we're giving up control over them to God. And we're saying, God, you can deal with that because I'm not gonna carry it anymore. God, you can keep score. I'm not keeping score anymore. We're starting over zero, zero. We release them to God, not because we're saying it's okay, but we're allowing God to handle the score from now on. And then we rejoice. We rejoice in God's forgiving power released in us today. 
that because of who God is, because of his love for us, he doesn't just say, forget it on your own or figure it out on your own or pretend like it never happened or carry this with you for forever. He invites us into a real life relationship to impact the way that we view people, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view God. And he says, I have something better for you. Your past, the weight that you carry because of the things that have been done to you, they're no longer yours to carry. And it's an invitation from Jesus saying, now they're mine. Let me trade you the things that you carry, the darkness that you carry, and give you my peace, my joy, my life, and my forgiveness, not just for you, but to flow through you. And that's the real life difference that God wants to make in our lives. It's more important, it's more exciting, it's more inspiring than watching the Olympics. And more than anything, it's more life-giving because it's Jesus making a difference in our lives, in our hearts today. Let's stand, we're gonna pray.